I'm Ashling Keenan and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast, now in its 12th season and supported by Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe brand in Ireland, made with simply two ingredients and nothing else. When I had my daughter, I wanted something I could trust to use on her skin and Water Wipes were, and still are, the one. I once made the mistake of trying a different brand never again. I did not realise just how much of a difference there could be between two fairly similar brands, but it was huge. My daughter is now two and a half and I panic if I don't have at least one pack of water wipes within line of sight. With that in mind, I'm happy to say this season is supported by that most essential of products for every mum, water wipes. Winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2023, including Best Baby Wipes and Best Baby Skincare Essential, they are ideal for delicate newborn skin. Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. You're listening to season 12 of Every Mum, the podcast. I am your host, Ashley Keenan, and for our first episode back for season 12, I was joined by fashion influencer and stylist Lorna Waitman, and by possibly our youngest ever guest, nine-week-old Arthur was also on the Zoom call, being an absolute angel. Lorna and I discovered through the course of our chats that we both approached parenthood with a will I or won't I mentality. Neither of us were 100% convinced that being parents was for us until, of course, we were. So if you're on the fence about whether to try or not, this episode might help you. We also chat about Lorna's whole birth story, which, spoiler alert, spans four whole days and how the first two weeks of Arthur's life proved incredibly challenging as Lorna tried to get to grips with breastfeeding. We also talk about losing your identity as a mother, which was something that was huge for me. And the word that resonates most with Lorna now that she's a parent, acceptance. This was a lovely episode to kick off season 12. So I hope you enjoy. Lorna Waitman, I am so buzzing to hear everything about your experience becoming a mother, um, delivering your baby, taking him home and getting him to where he is now. How many weeks is he now? So he's nine weeks on Wednesday. So that means it's vaccination day, which, as you can imagine, oh. I'm really excited about, as you can mm. tell. The terror. But, no, it is. It's it's a scary. That's a scary one. That's a, the, the, the first vaccination yeah. is a scary one. But uh, like, and I remember when you were, when you were still pregnant, I messaged you and I was like, Lorna, listen, I'm presenting this podcast. You're going to have to come on. I bang see you because I know <laughs> there are going to be so many people who want to talk to you on their podcast. And I was like, I'm getting her because we have history and she's, she's mine. <laughs> I always prioritize you, my love. Always. always. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, I would really like to do that because I think I like this. I, I even before I was a mum, like even when I was pregnant, this the tone of this podcast is very much me. So I always knew this was going to be a really good chat, and I was really excited to do it. So you haven't really shared a huge amount about your birth story, and you know you're kind of you were you were sharing a little bit during pregnancy, but take me back if you don't mind talking about it to getting to the point of being pregnant because for me I know it wasn't my process wasn't incredibly straightforward some people get pregnant you know the first time they ever try to so what was that like for you and is it something that you always knew you wanted and yeah, like you can probably hear Ruby that's my firstborn in the background <laughs> anytime there's a delivery you know you you know about it she's like our little alarm um <laughs> Oh, I'll take you back to uh, Christmas Eve <laughs> 2022, which is when I found out. Um, and let's say, like, it was a planned surprise, you know, like, I think any time anything like that or anything big like that happens to you, 
it's a big surprise regardless. Of course. You know? Yeah, of course. And also combined with the fact that I'm 41. So I'm not, you know, it, it, in comparison to maybe a lot of my friends who I was a lot older um, with my first baby. And it was, I think, after a long period of time where I was so career focused, I'd set up my own career having had a whole career in finance. And making the decision to step away from that and build something entirely new in media took a very, very long time and a huge personal and professional commitment. So my headspace, my all of my effort was focused in on that. It wasn't on having um, a family. And also for me, I was always very much on the fence as to whether or not I wanted to have a family. And for me, anytime there's doubt, it's a no. Because yeah. I think you have to be 100% sure that this is what you want. And I think in hindsight, I could not believe that more now. Because it's like, you definitely, definitely need to want to have, want to do this. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's so overwhelming. So it took me and us a while to decide that this is, you know, this was the right time for us, you know, and we'd gone through a lot of kind of personal things and we, you know, moving house, changing jobs. We'd had a lot of, we had some family illness um, and it was kind of the right time, I think, to go, do you know what? I've seen my family go through so many different things over the last number of years. And one of the things that's been the most important to us is being able to support each other, like seeing my parents being well. And then been able to support them as their daughter. I was like, I want that, you know. Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he wakes. <laughs> he wakes up. Perfect timing, buddy. Um, I'll just put him up here for a sec. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I think having seen, having been through all of that as a daughter, I really wanted to have that support, you know, in from my own child. Um, and that was really what changed my perspective on it. Um And it's funny, when I was in the hospital at various different, you know, antenatal things or just going in for checkups, I noticed that a lot of the women there were my age. And I thought, Mm. okay, so I'm not alone in this decision at this stage, you know. Um, But it was something that just took me a long time to decide that I was definitely 100% sure I wanted to be a mother. Um, and it, I've done a lot of kind of things during my life, which have been kind of, you know, rash or impulsive. And this is going to be one thing that was not going to be like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can reverse, you know, like in business, you take chances on things. You, mm-hmm. you put yourself on the line and you go, right, I'll risk that. You can't do that with this. You know, you have to be sure. So that took me a long time, really. And that's kind of how we got to the stage of, you know, having having Mr. Murphy Jr. here. <laughs> and it's funny I was I was only asked I asked on Instagram the other day for people to message me if they were let's say on the fence about becoming parents because that really fascinated that that the the idea of that really fascinates me like for a lot of people it seems to be complete like completely obvious and a definite and they've always wanted to be parents or they've always wanted to be pregnant or whatever and it was less cut and dried for me and I'm, it's really nice to hear that it was less cut and dried for you because it sometimes feels like everyone around you just knows exactly what they want to do and they know that becoming parents is something they want um so it is it's very nice to hear that you know we both had a kind of will we won't we what like when you decided that you were that it's what you wanted and the fact that you were you know in your early 40s did you have the thought of Oh, is this going to happen for me? Oh, a hundred percent. Because you've no, you don't know what your fertility state is like because you've never investigated anything like that. I was definitely someone who had regular smear tests, but that was about it when it came to any kind of like reproductive check. <laughs> That's all I knew about myself. Is that I was very good at doing those regularly. Um. But, you know, that's the thing. You it, It's taking a chance. And, you know, we, we were very lucky we were able to conceive naturally. But I have no doubt that that isn't the case for a lot of women my age. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, you know, pregnancy at this age, and it sounds like I'm old. I don't feel old at all. But like when it comes to 
this you are classified as being you know a bit of a senior citizen so yeah. it comes with, the, <laughs> comes with the, you know lots of other risks that are fully outlined to you and you know you you can investigate all of those things for yourself I didn't really do any of that and in some ways I feel I regret not knowing more about pregnancy about uh, childbirth um, about breastfeeding which I will get on to in <laughs> <laughs> Um, there are a lot of things I feel like I should have known more about. Um, but at the same time, you kind of want, I enjoyed the spontaneity of it in a lot of ways because it was something I'd never done before. I also thoroughly, I really, I feel very blessed, grateful, lucky, all of those words, but I had a very smooth pregnancy. I didn't have any issues. I fainted a couple of times um, and that was about as complicated as it got. So I feel like I didn't experience anything that was super difficult. And I'm very mm -hmm. grateful for that. And that all came when I went into labor. It's like it was the, the gods were like stocking it all up for me until <laughs> I got to the very, very end. And I really enjoyed my pregnancy. I think because it was summer and, um, you know, the weather was nice and I was able to, you know, I obviously fashion is my job. So I was able to immerse myself in summer maternity fashion, which I was so excited to do. So I feel like I, I got a really, really good experience out of everything. But I know that's not definitely not been the case for some of my friends and um, some people I follow on Instagram who have been very vocal about their own fertility challenges um, but it was always something that was going to be a possibility because you, you think to yourself, OK, well, you know, what if this doesn't work out? And my attitude was, you know, if this happens, great. But if it doesn't, that's OK, too. Mm -hmm. um, and I think being maybe a little bit more relaxed about it was something that worked in my favor. That is it's funny you should say that because that's that was my vibe as well I was like if I get pregnant and everything is is fine then great and if it doesn't happen for us that's also okay and that's yeah. I, I was kind of like what will be will be and I didn't that's want to mess with it too much yeah. um so you were saying that like I laugh because my sister and I were pregnant at the same time and I was having a horrific pregnancy and she was absolutely flying through hers and in fact she was like eight months pregnant and I said it to her one day I had a hairy feeling and she was like yeah sometimes I forget I'm pregnant and I was like oh shut your face like it was so I was <laughs> I so mad at her pregnant no yeah. like the fact that it took me nearly five minutes to turn from one side to the other in bed <laughs> is something that would stay with me forever you know <laughs> probably you know never forget not being like kicked in the face most nights you know with yeah. my my efforts to like move my huge body across yeah. the bed. Well, I, I felt that, but I also felt incredibly ill. But then, like you were saying that things were being stocked up to land on you then when you went into labor. She had a really, really difficult and traumatic labor. Whereas my delivery of, of Lydia was actually like, look, it wasn't yeah. exactly a picnic in the park, but it was fine by comparison yeah. to what she went through. So what happened with you? Like when did, did, did you go into labor? Did, were you induced? Did it, how did it happen? Tell me everything. None of the above, basically. None of those things. <laughs> I was one of the things that for me, I should say from the beginning is that I was really looking forward to giving birth. I don't know why that was, because I knew it was going to be really challenging on my body. I hate pain. You know, laser hair removal was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. I... <laughs> I, but I was really looking forward to it. I, you know, it's such a, an amazing thing to be able to do that. I, I think also it really helped me psychologically prepare for it because I'm like, I'm really, really excited for this. It's, you know, it's going to be the most incredible experience. And it was, but just in a very unplanned way. And what happened was, um, so I came to my due date. And I, I, we were pretty sure it was going to go over for lots of different reasons. First baby age, you know, he was nice and comfortable, didn't look like he wanted to move. And um, he wasn't in a good position, but just was not heading in the right way. Um, and I actually had um, a, a penciled in cesarean section for about a week after I had last seen my consultant, um, just in case things didn't get moving of their own accord. So it came to my due date, which was a Sunday. 
And it was that week in September, which was super hot and glorious weather. And um, we had decided we'd go out for the day because, you know, what else are you going to do? I'm not going to sit at home. It was lovely. So we went into town and had afternoon tea. And it was when I was in a very nice hotel in town that I discovered that um, pretty much I figured it was a bit of my mucus plug had decided to move. Mm -hmm. And I was okay of all the places. But I was like, look, not going to panic because that doesn't mean anything. You know, it it Mm -hmm. doesn't. But this is what I was psychologically, you know, making myself think so I could finish my like, you know, scones and cream. (laughs) A nice tea. <laughs> so got home, nothing happened. The following day, a little bit more, got a bit crampy, was quite irritable, but I can be at the best of times. Um, and I just kind of didn't really pay attention to it because I, I had been, you know, pretty sure that nothing was going to to happen. So it was two o'clock on the Monday on the, the Tuesday morning, let's say. Um, I got really crampy. I couldn't sit. I just was just I was pacing around I couldn't lie down I went down to the sitting room and I got to about 5 a.m and I went up to to Patty my husband and I said we need to go you know like this is we need to go so my my bags were already in the car I had already got them in the car from that week I had like my my own bag labor bag everything was ready just in case and we said right let's go so in we go to Hollis Street and it's early in the morning and I for anyone who has given birth there and you've gone in the middle of the night you have to knock on the door for them to let you in <laughs> so knock or going hi so they don't even say anything to you they just usher you in because they know why you're there um yeah went into they had a look at me and everything and there was not a sign of anything happening I wasn't dilated nothing I was having contractions for sure but it was super early so I was given the choice to stay or go and I thought to myself I'm in the process now I'm better off staying so I did so then we went to the day ward but little did I know I was going to be in the day ward for probably another 16 hours before (laughs) anything was going to happen oh so Yeah. Now I have to say the midwives, my consultant, you know, were incredibly good at checking on me and, you know, making sure like, you know, this is all okay. You know, everything is fine. You're fine. Baby's fine. So don't worry. It's just Mm -hmm. taking longer. So by the lunchtime, I'd had to have my waters broken. And then I can only describe the difference in the pain went from like here to like all the way up here so, so quickly with no pain medication or anything. Um, and things were getting quicker and quicker and quicker. But this was going on and on and on and on. And I was watching women, you know, being ushered out of the day ward down to the delivery ward. And I'm like, why? am It's like I'm literally looking at them leaving going, why can't it be me? <laughs> So it wasn't until about eight o'clock that night that finally I went down to the delivery ward, still not technically in labor. That was the thing. So but anyway, I was able to have an epidural and get a lot of, um, you know, drugs, hormones, everything to kind of get things moving. Um, And it took went all overnight. So we're going into it the following day now. But I actually really bizarrely enjoyed that nighttime because obviously I was pain free. Thank goodness, because I had decided very early on that I wanted to have an epidural. Mm -hmm. And I'm very glad I made that decision. Um, And during the night, I had an amazing midwife. Um, She was incredible, Jenny. And we were also joined by um, a student doctor, Andrew. Shout out to Andrew, um, who asked, could he sit in for the night? And he kept me going like we Mm -hmm. talked about everything from traveling to where's your favorite places to have coffee to the price of coffee <laughs> to absolutely everything we went through like almost like our life story he told me all about his you know his studies where he'd been and it really honestly kept me going for those you know next seven hours and I had a little sleep and that was great but it just part of the process was actually you know not only you're sitting there waiting for your body to do its job but it's also the people around you who are there to to keep you on track and keep you there mentally I knew physically I was fine but mentally it's really easy for your mind to just wander off and go you know oh my god I'm in this it's very slow nothing's happening um and I was being checked all the time but by about you know the following morning anyway I was 10 centimeters dilated thank god um and I had a good old push for about an hour and we pushed for an hour and nothing was happening. And it's 
nothing was happening and see they were coming in and checking and he was literally like going like this but then coming right back so it was like this <laughs> back they could see his hair everything you know so anyway um by the following morning it was determined um my incredible doctor Donald said that you know this wasn't going to happen the way I had planned so it was down to theater we were going so uh, I kind of you just go with the flow you know you're in great hands I trust the process I trusted the medicine so mm-hmm. straight down to um, the theater for uh, a very quick cesarean section so they're throwing questions at me and I'm just lying there I'd like this going yes no I can't remember if I'm allergic to that not too sure if I had that or not um there was big you know discussion over whether I'd have to take all my piercings out because they're all welded in my ears and mm. all of those the silly, silly things that you remember about those that time. But anyway, lo and behold, 7.45 on the Wednesday morning, having it all start on Sunday, uh, Mr. arrived anyway. Um, and he celebrated by being shown to me across the screen and then peeing all over everybody. So <laughs> he was making his mark on the world. So as you can imagine, that's a pretty hard thing to condense into like an Instagram story that's only like, you know, 30 seconds long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say it out loud. And now when I say it out loud, it just, you, you kind of go, oh my gosh, I went through that, you know? And at the time, I really wasn't prepared to talk about it. I found, I found it an incredibly draining, stressful experience. You know, people say, oh, birth is the most incredible thing. You know, you'll go through all these ama- amazing emotions and pure love and joy. And you do. But for me, that came in a very different way. And it came very, very much later on that day. I had just kind of gone into shock. And I don't want to go to an extreme and call it a trauma because it's it's not. It's just more, it was unplanned for me. And mm-hmm. I actually I found the whole thing a little bit surreal. And then mm-hmm. you go into recovery and suddenly there's my husband holding the baby. And I'm like, did I just do all of that? Like in the last two days, did that just happen? Ian? You just... You feel very, very detached from it. Well, I certainly did. And it wasn't until later that afternoon that, you know, he was fast asleep beside me. And I was like, wow, okay, we came out the other side, you know. And now when I look back at it, I'm like, okay, yeah, we did it. We did it. Not sure I want to do it again, but we did it. <laughs> that's It's like, that's the mad thing, isn't it? Because you're you're told so many stories about how it might go or how it might not go or how what you will feel or what you should feel or you know and I I remember thinking uh because I actually would call my pregnancy traumatic it actually like I still I'm not even close to being uh over it or ready to do it again but I like so many people were like oh you know as soon as your baby arrives you'll feel this overwhelming you know love whatever like I mean, I felt overwhelmed for for sure, but not necessarily with love. Like I was, I mean, I was on so many drugs because I had a cesarean yeah. section as well. Mine wasn't in kind of a, a last minute thing. Mine had been planned a couple of days in advance because of my preeclampsia. But like it was still a very intense situation. You have all these yeah. people around you. You've, you're in a theater. I have never had a major surgery before, so I didn't know what that was like. And then you're given this human to take care of, even though you feel like you've just been in a car accident and you're supposed to also love it. <laughs> like, you know, I, I think I think it's actually kind of for me, I felt I, I'm a kind of person. It takes me a while to feel something sometimes, you know, regardless of what that is, of lots of different emotions from from love to grief, you know, Um. So it it took me a little bit of time to kind of go, this is my son. And being able to say that and going, wow, okay, that sounds a bit weird. You know, um, so for for me, that was kind of a I knew that was how I would I would be, you know, like, but I didn't cry, I didn't get that, like, you know, that that movie version of birth or the things you might see on TikTok, because I regretfully watched quite a lot of pregnancy and birth TikTok. And <laughs> It just it it works differently for everyone, and I I think I you just have to accept that about yourself and go. It's going to be very unique for me. It's going to be really individual. Um, and I mean when I it, I first came, you know, came back to the ward, the only thing I was thinking about was how hungry I was. 
<laughs> but you know, it's mad. Like the, the feelings that go through your mind, like it didn't, it, it it really didn't hit me that I had become a parent and I didn't cry and I didn't, there was no, not one single part of what I went through resembled any film I've ever seen. No. Good, bad or indifferent. Like it's just not, you know, it is not what you're going to, what you expect it to be in most it's, cases. No, it's not. And, and looking at all the women walking around the hospital, like later that day, you can see it in all of their faces that they're like, whoa, wow, you know, this has been intense. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it, it really, really, it really is. And and I think yeah. you kind of, I definitely took a little bit of solace in that, you know, having mm-hmm. chats with the ladies at the water cooler at three o'clock in the morning, you know, going, how are yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, something, that's something I actually, I, I think I missed out on a little bit because I delivered during COVID. So like there were no, like I was in a room, I, um, I went with like private healthcare or whatever. So I was in a room, I was in a room alone and there were other women in other rooms alone, you know, around the place, but we weren't really allowed to, to mix, you know? And so I was in that, I was on that, that floor in the rotunda for four or five days. And I think I only saw another woman with her baby, maybe twice in five days, you know? So I didn't get yeah like it is it it can be a lonely yeah I actually you know some people have said to me motherhood can be a little bit lonely and mm. I can see how that kind of starts in the hospital in some ways and then yeah. you know all way it, it makes its way home in a lot of ways you know only for I'm such a chatterbox and I was in a room on my own as well and I had my door open all the time and anybody who looked remotely like they wanted to chat I was like come on in you know <laughs> <laughs> I was also there for almost five days and you're like no I need to talk I need to talk this out and and some of the nicest chats I had were with the midwives in the middle of the night when they come in with you know the next dose of diphene (laughs) (laughs) you kind of hold on to them for a few minutes to go you know talk for a few minutes you know even though they incredibly busy but I that actually made me very sad leaving the hospital because of that attachment to it um and I I actually got really emotional when I got into the car because I was like oh my god you know that care that 24 7 support you know is over now and now I've got to go mm-hmm. do this by myself and it was the same as when I went to see my consultant I went with private care as, as well and when I went to see my consultant after six weeks to almost you know formally be discharged out into the world you know I was so sad about it because you know you've been under the supervision and care of this person for the guts of a year Mm. and any problem you have or any question you have you know there's somebody there who has your best interests at heart and you can call on them and now suddenly they're not there because there's no hotline for moms you know to go hi you know this is the color of my child's poo what should I do you know and I'm terrible for googling things my husband gives out to me all the time for googling Mm -hmm. I'm I'm stopping it now um but you've had that you know whether you've had a midwife or you know the whoever has been looking after you for those Mm -hmm. nine months is now no longer involved in your life in that way Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah it's kind of like leaving school it's going on to stage um and it's funny when I look back at all of those times in my life, like primary school, secondary school, university, whatever, I felt exactly the same as I did when I was leaving the hospital, which is like, you've just had this kind of institution around you to mind you for such a long time. And now you're moving on to the unknown in mm-hmm. so many ways. It's a really scary, scary process. And the mm-hmm. first two weeks at home, I cannot describe how challenging they were. They were, so, I knew they were going to be hard, but they were way harder than I thought they were going to be yeah like I I bawled my eyes out leaving the maternity hospital and I was it was it was kind of for two reasons I was first of all absolutely terrified of putting my brand new daughter in a car in a in a in a fast moving metal box and throwing her down the motorway like what the heck like that seems irresponsible if nothing else but then the other side of that was then like you said, leaving the midwives, leaving the doctors, leaving the medical care and and all of a sudden being left to my own devices. Like that is absolutely terrifying. And combining that with what I'm I'm anticipating you're going to talk to me about now is those that the initial I had the horrific emotional 
nightmare realm situation for the first 18 days. So it started the day after I delivered her and it went on until she was 18, 19 days old. And it was hell on earth. So talk to me about your first two weeks because mine were horrendous. I, I've got to say mine are probably up there. And like, I just, I was so emotional. I'm an emotional person anyway. This man is also the biggest wriggler in the entire world. <laughs> and I like wriggle his way all over the place. Um, now, hang on a second. You're going to play ball with mom. You can't come to work anymore with mom if you're going to misbehave. Um, so when I got home, I knew I was going to find things here. Look, hang on, hang on. There we go. Suck a mummy's finger for a minute. Still don't like soothers. He keeps spitting them out. But mum's hand, Aww. yeah, no problem. Um, so when I got home, firstly, I, I was really passionate about breastfeeding. I really wanted to feed him myself. That came with a whole new set of challenges. And also one thing I didn't realize, firstly, was how hard it was going to be. Secondly, when you have a cesarean section, it can take a while for your milk to come in. Mm-hmm. Now, thankfully, I had um, got some really great advice from the hospital and the antenatal care, which was to harvest colostrum. So from weekend 37, I was there squeezing out the colostrum. So I had it and I was able to bring that to the hospital and he was able to be fed with it, which was great. But because milk was so, so kind of delayed coming, feeding became such a challenge when I was in the hospital and even more so when I left it because you're just not prepared for that I just thought great you just you know you you latch him on and he feeds and everything's rosy and you have this lovely bonding experience but you don't and that's where a lot of my my issues in the first two weeks came from was the fact that I just couldn't get the handle of feeding you know I had bleeding nipples I couldn't get his latch was like being chewed. It was so incredibly hard. And then you're completely concerned all the time. You know, is he getting enough? Is he, you know, is he happy? You know, is is he going to sleep now? All of these questions. And that's where a lot of my own kind of personal trauma came from was was that. Um, And the fact that I'd feed him and then he'd be incredibly distressed you know, as a, while he was feeding and after. And I thought there's just something not working here. Um, and that was the start of a huge other journey for me, which was the breastfeeding journey. And thankfully I had, um, I had Arthur in the National Maternity Hospital in Hollis Street and they have a breastfeeding clinic for new mums that you can go to twice a week, which was an incredible resource. And I'm still going there. Um, and I went when he was three days old to try and sort the issues out. Um, and that was down to the lactation yeah. consultant, Aoife, who came to see me when I was in hospital and said, you need to come and see us next week so that we can help you through this journey. And they mm. they did. But it was such a long time coming because um, he, was, he had lost 10% of his body weight and he was having trouble putting that back on. And then his weight gain was incredibly slow. And he should still be a little heavier than he is now. But you also have so many different people, not on your case, but checking in on you. You've got the public health nurse. You've got your GP. You know, you've got your your consultant. You've got the lactation nurses. And there's so many different people who have a stakeholder in the birth of your child and making sure that you're, you know, you're doing the right, not the right thing, but you're doing your best and you're doing everything that you should doing to you know grow them and develop them and that's really that's a lot of pressure and I felt that pressure and suddenly I became absolutely obsessed with the number on the weighing scales going gosh has he put on like you know the they tell you typically the babies to put on 30 grams a day you know and I'm like how do I know if he's putting on 30 grams a day I became obsessed with it um and that was an incredibly hard thing to contend with um and Breastfeeding is no joke, I have to say. I I definitely had this filtered view of it. And all of my emotional stress and um, anything I've been talking about on Instagram, which has been the kind of the hard part of of motherhood, has all been down to the feeding side of things. So in a way, I can understand why breastfeeding numbers in this country are so low. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I wanted to persevere and really try and figure this out because one of the nurses had said to me, I think this is a really great phrase. It's the most natural thing in the world that doesn't come naturally. Mm -hmm. It's actually such a truth. So it's been 
you know, a number of weeks and we're, we're, we're really only getting to the part where we're getting that right. Um, mm-hmm. And that has had a really positive effect on me because he's putting on weight and, and he's crying now, but he's usually very happy. <laughs> <laughs> Very happy after he's been fed. He's just cr- we're in we're in the cranky time. Arthur's cranky time starts about now. Um, so is he hungry? Oh, look at his little face. Sorry for for I'm, anyone listening. We're we're looking at Arthur here, and he is the, the cutest lip. little thing. The, the lip, lip is yeah. Um, no, he was fed beforehand. I timed the feed so that he was not hungry, and um, he's just he's just deciding he's going to be a cranky man for now. Um, <laughs> but that was where a lot of my stress came from and then you know coupled with the fact that you know I've got my mom checking in on me you know and she's saying you should do this you should do this and that's just helping my husband making sure I was okay and like should we be doing this and you know that causes there can be a lot of tension I found in your house after you give birth because your emotions are running high everybody is is you know you're trying to enjoy this but at the same time you're trying to make sure that you're Mm -hmm really making sure that your baby is healthy. And I found the combination of all of those things really almost a little bit too much. Um, And I've always had an issue with anxiety my whole entire life. Um, And I'm on anti-anxiety medication and I was on it all through my pregnancy as well. But one of the great things was I was able to see the mental health nurse in the hospital through my pregnancy to keep on top of that. And I actually saw her... um, at week six postpartum and it was the best thing ever because I felt like at the time when I was in the hospital I didn't need that help then but I knew I was going to need it later and I was absolutely to talk it out and even like this it's kind of talking it out actually really helps um and when I was in the breastfeeding clinic you know you kind of go there feeling this is you know this is so so tired I'm so tired you know he's so you know he's upset am I feeding him right and all these kind of things and these are the questions going around in your head and then you walk into that clinic and you see a room full of mums that are going through exactly the same thing as you and it's not that you kind of it makes you feel good but you do take solace knowing that you know, you may not know these women, but they're up at the same time as you every night, you know, trying to figure out if they're feeding their baby the right way. Um, and it's really amazing how the mom community kind of comes together on those things. Um, but now I'm we're at week now that he's nearly nine weeks old. I feel like I'm only really turning a corner on all of that now. It's taken that long yeah. to kind of feel like I've broken the the, the bad cycle we had mm-hmm. and that we're now cycle where I can see the joy in a lot of things um and a lot you know the joy in him having fun with him but still making sure that he's healthy and it's just amazing how those things can completely consume you after you've given birth Mm -hmm. it is it's all consuming the feeding thing and I I didn't breastfeed because um it just happened oh there's there's my dog in the background great um it just happened that um, medically it wasn't possible when I when I had Lydia because something something to do with her sugars and them not being high enough and like that like you I had a cesarean so my milk hadn't arrived and there was all this there was a delay with my milk and then she needed sugar because otherwise they were going to have to bring her down to the NICU and I didn't want her to go to the NICU and blah, blah, blah. so eventually we had to give her a bottle in the hospital and then sure by the time I tried to get her to latch on to me Mm-hmm. She was like, absolutely no way, ma'am. Sorry about that. So we didn't, we didn't breastfeed, although it would have been something I would have liked to do. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still like, I can't imagine how difficult those early weeks would have been if I had all the emotions and all of the worries and fears and pain and, you know, anxiety. And like you said, tension in the house. And then also had to, struggle through with breastfeeding and I don't know whether it was because I delivered during COVID or what but I didn't feel like there was a lot of support there for me in in any for anything really um and it kind of struck me when I was pregnant there was a lot of interest you know there was the hospital was there my consultant was there after I delivered there wasn't as much interest you know it was kind of like you've got your baby now so off you go did you feel you were saying you had support from the community of mams at the breastfeeding group. That's so lovely that you had that. Did you feel that having that support like saw you through basically? Because I would have lo- like I would have loved that, but at the time it just wasn't 
it wasn't available. I absolutely do. Like I thrive on being part of something. I'm not good when I'm on my own. I, I know that in lots of different in lots of different ways. I need to kind of talk things out. I, I'm that kind of person. I need to have a resource that I can ask questions and, and direct questions to. And I felt like that was a a, a really big part of of this journey for me. And if I didn't have that, I do not want to think about how I would feel now. Um, and it's it's just amazing, even just, you know, talking to women you've never met before, but finding this common ground and talking it out with them. And you're like, oh, this actually makes me feel you know, I'm I'm not alone, even though I don't know you. You know, mm, yeah. Um, and and it's important to know there are so many different sources. Oh, Mister is now going to. Decide, Hi, you're taking over my interview, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so, so, he wants just, his voice to be heard. <laughs> I know, just like his mummy, just like his mummy. Um, yeah, I think that that was really important for me. And I think even lots of groups, like we've just started going to like clap handies, you know, even though he's so tiny, <laughs> I feel like I go, I go for, for his, you know, to, to start him on the like learning about senses and everything. But I'm also going because I really just want to be able to interact. I don't want to feel like, you know, I'm on my own. My husband's at work during the day. My husband or my parents live an hour away. So, you know, you can't, it can be a lonely place. So I want to get out there and kind of throw myself into this experience as much as I can. Um, and, you and you know, that that can be a scary thing for a lot of women, you know, they may not want to do that. And they may feel like, oh, how am I going to leave the house? And some days I definitely feel like that. But I really love being part of groups. And that's definitely something I cannot speak, you know, kind of highly enough of is that you just put yourself in in these little groups of women and, and other mums and other parents and you know the babies all scream at each other and there's something really joyful about all of that um yes there is um there's uh yeah I, I feel like I just I'm, I'm not someone who can do things alone I like to have that support and that has been really really important and I would say to anybody as well something I didn't really do was to look up the kind of resources and help that there are at the hospital that you're giving birth because you'd be surprised at how much there is there that mm -hmm. I certainly know of like this you know Hollis Street have like a whole e-learning hub and they have an app about nutrition and then they've got groups for different things and it's it was really only after I gave birth that I discovered all of these things mm -hmm. so there's a lot more resources in the hospital than you might think and mm -hmm. um, and definitely, you know, just being part of a group has been have been a great, a great part of a, a thing for me. And I know that will evolve because also, um, in case anyone didn't know, there was a media baby boom this year. Like in media, there was a baby born every week, right? There really was. Instagram is a wash of like birth announcements and pregnancy announcements. But the nice thing about that is that a lot of um, I've connected with so many of those mm -hmm. The other women there who who some I knew some I didn't know some are really good friends but it tightens that bond a little bit because suddenly you've got something in common with someone you've never met before and mm -hmm. that's what you do. so I'm kind of I'm getting the, the support and the chats going from lots of different angles this podcast is just one way that every mum supports you Another amazing way is our free gift bag, packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland. To receive yours, register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. You seem to be, you seem to be doing really well. Like, I mean, I know the early weeks are a struggle for every mother they are and every set of parents, but you seem to be like you said, you've gotten through that really, really challenging feeding part and you seem to be a little bit more kind of relaxed with things now. Would you say yeah. that's fair? I would. I'd say I'm like 65%, you know, there. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. definitely have days where I bawl my eyes out and it's just nothing. Even things like I'm such an I'm a neat person. I'm organized. Our house is chaotic. That's the only word I can describe. And someone had given me advice that you just need to embrace it and let it go. Just go with the flow of it. But honestly, if there is one dirty dish in the sink, I lose my mind. <laughs> it's 
that I am finding really, really hard because I, I like organization in my life. I like everything clean and neat. And that's a lot to do with um, being an anxiety sufferer that you you need things to be organized in order to kind of focus and have your mind a little bit clearer. So the fact that there are like muslin cloths, toys, um, d- discarded uh, like baby hats, you find mittens everywhere. Mittens have now become the new hair clip. You know, like hair <laughs> floor. Now it's baby mittens. They're everywhere. So that it, it it's embracing those things I found really hard because it's mm-hmm. a, a, adapting my personality to something entirely new. Um, so I have those moments where I completely lose the plot. My my husband mm-hmm. says it happens to me every Sunday. I don't see it that way, but he says Sundays. I seem to be <laughs> I seem to be a bit more cranky than normal. Um, you know, but I, like the the having those kind of meltdowns and stuff. Like, I mean, I I remember having them very regularly, more than every Sunday. I can tell you, but I like you have that tendency towards organization, and I feel like if my house, I always say, if my my desk, my car, and my bedside locker are are tidy and neat and clean, my my mind feels cleaner because I can that's where I that's where I spend time I'm either in the car or I'm at my desk or I'm in bed they're basically my three locations um pre pre baby because now the the you know I'm in all of her locations instead of my own locations <laughs> but like you were saying that you are on anti-anxiety medication and stayed on it through pregnancy so when pre-pregnancy say um, because I know there's I was actually talking to a friend of mine the other day who's considering getting pregnant or or trying to have a baby. And she was she's on um like an anti-anxiety or antidepressant. And she was saying to me, she's worried that if she gets pregnant, she'll have to stop her medication and, and what effect that might have on her. So for you, was that a consideration? And did you talk to your consultant yeah, about was. that? Yeah, it definitely was. I thought, gosh, should should I come off this? That was the first thing um, I thought. But I've been on the same tablet since 2009. So it's a huge amount of time and a huge buildup of something in my body as well that mm-hmm. you can't just, you know, remove out of your system. Um, and thankfully, the drug I'm on was is a pregnancy safe one. So that was one of the first things I discussed with my consultant was that what do I need to do with this? And he said, you can stay on it and we'll keep an eye on you. And we, you know, there was lots of different things I'd, I'd heard from different medical um, uh, personnel in the hospital that sometimes you the, the dosage might need to be increased because of, you know, your blood's dream is go your blood is pumping harder and we might need to increase it but I didn't have to do that and so I think it's a very unique thing Mm -hmm. um, depending on you're on and also you know the individual thing that you have going on with you yourself like me it's panic attacks and anxiety for other people it might be something more towards depression and every every drug every um care that every bit of care you get is different and personal to you so you need to discuss it with who your caregiver is Mm -hmm. and it is. It's good to know, though, that it's a possibility to stay on yeah. a medication, because for yeah. a lot of people, I think that would be terrifying, wouldn't it? To to Yeah, because I there's withdrawal symptoms. There's all sorts of things when it comes to these kind of, you know, and I'm not a medical professional. I need to kind of caveat that by saying, yeah, really, of course, yeah own experience is that even the day where I might have forgotten to take one are the days I know I haven't taken it because I have I can feel something different. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but I know it works for me and thankfully it was easier for me to stay on it and I was fine, you know, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. with that. But you're supervised with those things as well. You know, that's the big, that there's somebody there who's looking after you while you're doing it. You're not doing it on your own. Um, So that's just something I discussed from the outset because obviously it was a big concern, you know, and Mm. and that would be a thing for my body to go through if I had to come off it. Um, So you need to know if that's the right thing for you or not as well. Mm. And like, you know, being able to stay on it because I mean, becoming a parent is one of the most anxiety inducing or or potentially depression inducing for, for any, you know, mother or a parent who's ever had the misfortune to go through postnatal depression. Like it's a huge life altering and and yeah. terrifying experience. So to to know that you're already, you know, someone who suffers with panic attacks and anxiety to to then be told, well, you have to go through this life altering thing and you can't use medication. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
like that to me would have been the most daunting thing mm. and I also feel like that would have been something I would have gotten hung up on and not you know one of the kind of um, byproducts of me is that it's I, I'm so I'm so particular about things and that's kind of a byproduct of anxiety that you need things to go like they would in a textbook so you read a book it needs to go that way that it says in the mm. book deviates from the book there's something not right um and for me that that was definitely going to be a challenge in motherhood because nothing goes by the book um and I've read all the books <laughs> and uh you need to be okay with that and that takes a really long time to to say to yourself, well I'm going to read this and this is going to be advice but it's not necessarily going to go this way no. um and that's something a rationale I'm now applying to absolutely everything that has to do with Arthur is that mm-hmm. yeah this is the guide, but it may not necessarily go like that. And that's no. that personal journey, mm-hmm. you know, a, a mental journey for me, because I have never been like that myself. And now mm-hmm. I have to think of him, you know. Yeah. And that's that is something that like anytime anyone asks me now for parenting advice or or, uh, you know, advice on anything to do with pregnancy or or delivery or babies or anything like that. I'm like, I can give you you know, I can give you decent advice. I can give you my experience. I can give you the experience of people I've spoken to on the podcast. I can give you things that I've read, but genuinely not one single bit of it is going to matter to your baby and to your pregnancy and to your delivery. Because like we just discussed, your pregnancy was completely different from mine, like couldn't have been any more different. Your delivery couldn't have been any more different from mine, even though the end result was a cesarean section. Like you spent an insane amount of time in the day ward then you spent another insane amount of time you know getting them to go out and then go back in and then go out and then go back in so like no one no one has the same experience and no one has the same child so the books are all well and good but a lot of it is and I don't want to be a complete cliche but a lot of it is like your mother's instinct isn't it as a, it is. as a parent completely innate like that's where everything comes from and one of the things that frustrated me in those first couple of weeks was all of the different opinions on everything you would ask you know you would look and say let's say when it came to feeding you know I found everyone had a different opinion on what to do you know every midwife had a different piece of advice and all of it was good in its own way but none of it came together as a cohesive piece of advice that you could follow or a direction right and I found that mind-boggling and I'm still finding it mind-boggling you know like if if when someone you know says to me he might you know look at something or whatever and they'll go oh he needs to be winded and I'm like no he doesn't need to be winded he was winded a while you know it's that and it's it when it came to feeding one of the problems I had was um to get to get a little bit technical I had one very flat nipple (laughs) that was causing me some problems a flat nipple who knew um and one midwife told me, oh, use a, a nipple shield. They're great. That'll help you feed. That'll help you feed. Use a nipple shield. Use them. It was great. Another midwife comes in and goes, oh, no, 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 You shouldn't be using them, you know? And you're like, hang on a second. Who am I supposed to be listening to here? Because I don't know what I'm doing and I need someone to help me with this. And now I don't know what I should be doing. This is really confusing. And it, it, especially when it came to feeding, I have never... I never really understood that there was going to be so many different levels of opinions on it. Um, and that for a new mother who's vulnerable anyway is incredibly, I find that really distressing. I'll go as far as saying I find it distressing because you think you're doing the right thing um, or you're following advice and then you get another piece of advice that is completely contrary to the previous bit of advice you got. And I'm like, mm-hmm. will somebody just please write what, what I should do? Give me a list and I'll stick to the list. And that comes back to me needing a textbook to go by. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You kind of need to go with your gut. And eventually I have, I've taken the advice, but I've come up with, you know, I've tweaked it to make it work for me. And I think that's what has worked for me. And if I was to give unsolicited advice, that would be the bit I would give is that you can take all the advice, but you will just take all the bits of it that work for you and you put it together and it becomes your way. Mm-hmm. And like that, one of the things I I, I I am reluctant to give advice anytime anyone asks me, I'm like, do you really want to yeah. hear this? Because, you know, but one of the things I do say is trust your, your own 
instinct on those things. So like when someone, because like, I mean, and it's all well-meaning, don't get me wrong, because family members and, and even like, I'm sure your husband has said, oh, well, maybe he needs this. And you're like, no, no, I know what he needs because I am with him 24 hours a day and I know exactly what that noise means and you don't. And it's 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 tough for other people, whether it's your partner or whether it's your family or whether it's friends or a midwife or a doctor or whatever. It's it's tough for you as a parent to, to try and convey, well, no, actually, I know that you're wrong there because my baby needs this, particularly because at the same time, you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you're like, you're fully aware that you haven't a clue. And yet at the same time, you're the only one who has a clue. That's terrifying. And I mean, if you were to actually sit there and just think (laughs) a second, you're like, that makes absolutely no sense. Um, (laughs) I've never actually undergone anything that was so overwhelming. And some days I feel like, yeah, I've got it down. You know, I, this is it. We've got the plan. It works. And then suddenly someone said, you know, someone says to me, oh, no, you you shouldn't be doing that. Like, that's not good for such and such or whatever. And then I go back into my state of flux, not knowing if I'm doing the right thing or not. But maybe that is just the way it's going to be. And Mm -hmm. that's something I have to accept in a way is that Mm -hmm. there are going to be days where the plan works and there's going to be days where the plan really doesn't. But that's okay, And it's the acceptance of it and that you will just go, go ahead and do your best and that's all you can do and you know one of the things I've really struggled with personally is kind of losing my identity a little bit over the last you know number of weeks I mean my career was all about you know um thriving in fashion and beauty and you know getting dressed up and and clothes or my entire life and now suddenly I've been in the same jumper for three days you know Mm -hmm. it's it's one extreme to the other and I miss my the old version of myself in a lot of ways. And I'm that's been really hard to come to terms with. And I don't, it's not that I have like, I, I hear the phrase mom guilt a lot, you know. I, I wouldn't even say it's guilt. I actually think it's envy in a lot of ways because I, I see other people doing it. And I'm like, I want to be back doing that. But at the same time, no, I wouldn't change this at all. And I will regain my my identity again I know that it's not gone entirely it's just temporarily suspended while we do something else um and that's been another real mental challenge is is not being priority in in some ways yes you are in a lot of ways but not in others and I feel like I, I've lost that relationship with all the things I used to do as complete mundane routine tasks for me like washing my face and doing my skincare I'm like couldn't even tell you where my moisturizer is <laughs> yeah no and that's that was one of the that was probably one of the biggest once the initial hormonal shift physically had settled down the next thing for me was that that loss of identity and it's taken me I mean I'll be completely honest, um, and I almost don't want to say this because I don't want to put the fear of God in you for the next two years, but <laughs> I think it's okay because we're pals. But I really feel it's only it's only in the last, I'd say, five, six months. Like Lydia is exactly two and a half this month, mm-hmm. and, and it's only in the last kind of few months that I've started to see myself coming back in in any kind of meaningful way like I was always there obviously but to be able to prioritize myself again without that constant guilt and to be able to be like acknowledge the fact that Lydia will be happier and more fulfilled as a as a little human if her mammy is also happy and fulfilled and you know it does take it does take a while to get there um so the fact that you have the awareness of that at nine weeks I'm so jealous because I it really took me a good amount of time to start feeling that because it just everything just felt so chaotic for so long yeah and like you said like you said you know you're you think you have it nailed uh, and you're like okay nine weeks this is great we've got we're feeding we're doing this we're sleeping we're napping we're doing we, we've got it going on and then the next week is a completely different week it and is that just yeah keeps happening you know ad nauseum like it just that just never ends I'm only at the (laughs) cycle of this you know it's Mm. it's that long and it it I have to keep telling myself going you know Mm. this is an evolving journey 
this is it's it's not just what I have right now it's it's things are going to change and we're going to be challenged in lots of different ways too and I mean I'm sure he'll get a cold at some point and <laughs> I'll have to contend with that but yeah like the 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 Lorna I know of myself you know isn't there right now and that's okay that's okay um and, and that took a while because I got really upset about that a couple of weeks ago where I, I, I couldn't go to things, you know, I'm so used to having a social side of my work and I, I couldn't do that. And, and that's fine. I, I didn't expect to at all. But then social media in a lot of ways has fueled my, um, my feeling about all of that because you, you've got visibility of it. You can see all the people, you know, doing all those things that you once did and, and now you're not. So now I've, I've had to really battle to say that's just not happening right now. I will, you know, we'll do lots of other things and there'll be plenty more things to come that I can bring him to and we can do lots of things as a family and all of those things have yet to come. But it's still there in the side of my head going, you know, I used to be that person and I will be again, but it's it's just accepting that that's not there right now has been incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I I don't think I accepted that for years like literally two years so I'm so delighted that you've got even the the the, the knowledge to say I need to accept that and that's gonna that you know you're you're real like yeah. that's it this is how it's gonna be because for me I just kept fighting against it you know I, I I not that I was trying to go out and do things but I kind of was I was kind of trying to just get myself back while also trying to be this new person and it it like I probably would have been better off just leaning into the to the just I have a child now and that's what we're doing you know yeah. and I, I'm kind of at that leaning in stage maybe in the last three weeks where mm-hmm. I've just you know you, you it's it's a it's a learning curve and the learning curve is almost perpendicular so you're mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're trying to like you're just going this massively steep uphill climb and and every day it's getting steeper and steeper and now that I realize that that is that's just the way it is, it's it actually made me feel better, I think, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. not even feel better, but feel a little bit more positive that I can manage things, you know, um, and ultimately you can only do your best. And I know that sounds really, really cliche, but I have never kind of felt, a, you know, um, an affinity with the phrase as much as that as I have done since he was born that it is you can just do your best you know and some days the you know your best is just going to be enough where you're still you barely get dressed and you just need to make sure that they're fed and happy with the day and that's fine you know that's a successful day in my view mm-hmm. and it's that's the most like that is the loveliest way to think of it because especially in those early days because some days all you do achieve is that your your baby is still alive by the end of the day and that's that's fine you know and I think for anyone who's listening that that previously would have been I don't want to say high achiever I don't mean like someone that got A's in school and, and won medals and things but I mean someone who who was always busy who was always doing things who was you know social and you know had a full-time job and did this and did that and the other and had hobbies and had friends and had whatever like to park all that is is a challenge but then yeah. to ex- to accept that you know you're not going to always be incredibly productive I think is a, yeah. a huge thing it really is and I actually think that maybe one of the words I'm now associating with motherhood is acceptance mm. um in in so many different ways and not in a bad way you know it's more just you know embracing those things and and leaning into them and it's just taking you know that's been a little bit of a mental challenge for me but it's one that I feel like is going to work out for me. Lorna this was just the loveliest chat and the fact that Arthur was there for the whole thing I think that's a first so I'm like for for me yeah it's just look at him he is so cute and he's so like you as well oh my god Um, and thank you. Blonde, Jesus. And I was like, I'm not a real blonde. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either, just for full disclosure and transparency. Um, so thank you very much, Arthur, and you for giving me your time. Oh, he's so sweet. Bye bye. And um, I will look, come back to me in two more years when we're when you're in, in toddlerland and I'm in, you know, first day at school land. Yeah. Oh, oh it was my gosh. pleasure. It was lovely. 
talk out loud about these things. It was really lovely. Okay, thank you so much, Lorna, and I'll talk to you soon. Yay, bye. Say bye. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe brand in Ireland, for their support. Their wipes are made with just two ingredients, 99.9% water and a drop of fruit extract. And they are plant-based and plastic-free. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe, rate, or if you have time, we'd love a review. You can share this episode across social and get in touch with me or this week's guest. Our handles will be on the Everyone Instagram page. Oh,